Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Alexa Mix. Today on the panel, we have Alan Weimer. Hello. And myself, Adi Iyengar. We don't have Sasha today, so you guys have to put up with me leading this episode. But luckily, it will be made easier by the presence of our awesome guest, Andrea Lepardi. I think needs no introduction. Andrea is in the Alexa Core team, author, written several libraries, Redix, Stream Data, come to mind. Yeah, Andrea, it's great to have you. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, so I guess like get us started. Like like usually, you know, guests give their introduction, but I mean, I'm, I'm assuming everyone knows you, but like maybe we can start off with like, you know, your journey, a little bit of a, about a journey in Elixir and how did you end up in the Elixir core team? Like it's it's such a such a cool group to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. It's very, it's a lot of fun. Sure. So uh, let me challenge that assumption that everybody knows me and give an introduction anyways, because like, I think that's weird. I don't think everybody knows me. That's just like, it makes me uncomfortable to think that. So anyways, so I'm Andrea. I've been working with Luxor for a while now. It's been maybe eight years or so, maybe nine. And I'm uh, from Italy, based currently in Italy as well, central Italy. And I've been a member of the team for a little bit less than that. So it's this is my seventh year in at this point. And yeah, as Adi said, I've done a lot of libraries throughout the years, for sure. So the question was, how did I end up in the core team? Yeah, so it was, I got out of university and I worked only a little bit with other languages, but pretty soon I ended up with Elixir. So I worked a little bit with with Python, with Ruby, with uh, like PHP and WordPress and stuff like that. And uh, then I moved pretty soon to Elixir and I started working with that and I started sort of like getting a lot, like getting really into it. And my first lots of contributions were around documentation because like, I mean, I was learning language. I didn't know how anything worked. So I was reading through the docs and like, Obviously, it was like a, it was right around 1.0, so there were there were a lot of like uh, you know corners to smooth out, I guess, or like rough edges. That's how you say it. rough edges in the documentation. You know, like uh, it it was great. So that's how I learned the language after all. But you know, there were things here and there. Like once you find a typo, once you you find something you can improve in some part of the documentation, or like I was coming as a beginner, so it was a really easy perspective to like it was a really easy thing to change the documentation or like to make it more beginner friendly rather right it's like you're a beginner yourself so uh, it's like oh this is how i would understand it so maybe this is going to make the documentation just like easier for other people as well so that's what i started doing a lot of a lot of documentation updates and i started getting into it a lot because jose was really really responsive and really welcoming so he was really quick at like merging prs and giving feedback and stuff so he, he kept me really really ex- uh, engaged Right, so I was like, I was seeing the results of the efforts that were put that I was putting in, which was super exciting. So, um, <laughs> so I started doing like a little bit of like, uh, you know, looking at the issue tracker, like fixing bugs that I could fix uh, with my limited knowledge at the time. And then, given the contributions, Jose started to reach out to me and ask me like to contribute to more stuff. Right, so one of the first things that we did was uh, get text, the the internationalization yeah. library that ships with Phoenix. So I wrote. Originally, like in 20, maybe 15, I wrote like 90% of the code that's in there all under the guidance of Giselle. Like I was, Giselle was like sort of like really the puppet master there, but I was uh, <laughs> I was writing a lot of the code. So and, and so he asked me to, to do that, right? Like to put a bunch of effort into that, which I did and it was really good. So I had a lot of fun. And uh, then I did a little, like a few contributions to Ecto because I was like, I started asking him, oh, what can I do you know, to contribute, to give back to the community? What can I do to like to participate more? 
And in 2016, I reached out and said, like, oh, maybe we, like, do you want to come in the core team? So that's that's how I got in the core team. And yeah, that's the story. <laughs> that's so cool. What was the size of the core team around when he joined? I, I would say, was Jose alone around that time? or No, no, I was uh, far from the from the first non-Jose member. <laughs> Eric from Hex was the first one to join. Gotcha. Uh, quite a bit before me, like I think a couple of years before me. And then they had, uh, at the time, there was, I think there were maybe like four people in the team already, four or five people, like James Fish, you know, Fish Cakes, and Alexei Magushev. And I was working with him at the time, actually. And yeah, so they, this, the team was like around five, four or five people, I think. I was like the fifth or sixth to join. Gotcha. It's really cool that you just kind of like worked your way in terms of gaining the knowledge of Elixir and seniority and also, you know, like the tenure eventually become to get that invite to be part of the core team like going through issues like asking jose for more words. and it's also really cool that he like you know you said like under his guidance you were able to build some of the early tools it just shows how committed jose has been to, yeah, to the entire yeah. community yeah that's really cool and if i if i can uh, like uh, give kudos to jose is that he also I think the criteria with like that he used to like sort of like aim at people to join the you know like to choose candidates or, or you know for the team is really good because I was by no means an expert in Elixir mm. at the time right and I I don't still don't consider myself an expert in but maybe in Elixir itself uh, but like I have no contributions almost no contributions to OTP for example I don't know the internals of the beam that well you know like I know it from a user perspective but I like I haven't really contributed in there so there's a lot of stuff I still don't really like I'm not an expert in, so I just have a lot of experience at this point, but I'm not an expert in a lot of stuff. And still, and that was even more true seven years ago or six or seven years ago. So I think that he, like the fact that he invited me to be a part of the team because I was very active in the community and very willing to participate is like it was such a good choice from like on his hand because like it's seven years later I'm still here doing this this stuff right like I'm yeah. still putting time and that's not true just for me it's true for other people in the core team as well right like the fact that because because these big open source projects they require a lot more I think commitment time commitment and from people then they require like skills like or technical yeah. skills especially right so you like you need people that are there for the community and that are there for like and for shepherding people to fix bugs or like triaging issues and all, all this stuff because like at this point Elixir is big and there are a lot of uh, people that are technically really good that can like actually fix the issues you know so if the, if an issue comes up like someone will come along that can fix it but like having people that actually take care of the project you know and like tend the garden that is the big resource project is is hugely important i think so i think he picked uh, he picked the the members of the team well because we're still here right like yeah we're still doing this so <laughs> hopefully and hopefully we'll keep continuing I, like i don't see any reason to stop as far as i go so that's so cool yeah i mean yeah it, it's just so cool to hear like you mentioned that the criteria and yeah dedication over knowledge or ne- skills necessarily technical skills which which can be built that's yeah very well said i know a lot of our listeners would be very curious to like get like a sneak peek on what it's like to be part of the core team. How do you like approach like the roadmap? Is it like a product? Like uh, and like who takes on what? Like how how what kind of collaboration is there? Would love to get like any insights on the functioning of the core team. It's a lot of parties. That's that's what we do. Just have <laughs> parties. No, so. Yeah, I can answer that. I can try. Uh, when it comes to the how we manage the project itself, it's not nothing like a product, in uh, my opinion. Like we we are really trying to at this point, uh, 
so let me let me put it like this. At this point, Elixir's development itself is quite slow because a lot of the stuff has been a lot of stuff we wanted to do has been done. And I think part of like a part of a successful like for language to be successful, part of it is to be extensible enough that you don't have to change the language to the stuff that you want to do. Case in point is and next, right? Like that's a hugely yeah. like impactful project. Like one of the biggest things to happen in Elixir in the past few years. And that required like real like almost no changes to Elixir. Right? Like it was yeah. like people were able to build it uh, just on top of Elixir. And that's huge. So when it comes to development of Elixir right now, we're not looking to like ship big features. The type system obviously is a, is a big thing that's going on, but yeah, but like might end up or might not end up being part of the language. But we haven't taken an under like we haven't we haven't worked on something as big as a type system in a long in a long time, right? Like a lot of the last releases were focused on like a lot of like oh maybe like developer experience improvements, you know, or completion tracing improvements or mm. like documentation improvements, like a lot of stuff that just goes to sort of smooth out the language and like kind of like uh, polish it a lot rather than right. like make big changes, right? Because like we don't want to create like a fast moving target for, for people to like chase them. We, yeah. we really want to have people to have a lo- like a good language that just keeps improving over time, but the, the language stays the same, right? Like we don't want to, to like completely change it. So the way we approach is that honestly, like a, a lot of the time we are, we just like use Elixir every day. So we notice things that we could improve and then we decide, okay, well, maybe, do we want to maybe focus on this particular area for this release? So for example, we were talking about this for Elixir 116 and just I was like talking about the fact that maybe we want to focus on documentation a little bit, bringing some of the guides into Elixir, which we already did and like bringing the a bunch of anti-patterns that the community came up with into the documentation for, for Elixir itself, all this sort of stuff. So that's how we sort of, it's, it's very, it's a very lightweight process. It's not like a building product where you're like even more <laughs> focused on like uh, a lot of other stuff. Like here it's just like, oh yeah, maybe we, we put a focus on documentation. That's all. Gotcha. Has the time commitment of being a core team member decreased as a result of Elixir kind of like approaching that completedness, you know, uh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, significantly. I think like I right now we are five people, I believe, in the uh, yeah, we're five people in the core team, and I think that Jose is the one that most that works the most on Elixir. The other team members do varying degrees of work on Elixir. For example, Eric and I, we do very little. Like if you look at the commit activity on Elixir, like we have very little commits. You know, like very few commits in the past few months, and that's. Just because, like, we as a part of the team, we are also, I think that we are also sort of uh, caring for other things in the community, like tending to other things in the community. When it comes to Eric, for example, like Hex is huge, right? Like, the, right. Yeah, Hex is a huge part of the ecosystem, and like, someone to take care of it is like, it's a huge part of being, of supporting the community, right? So, even if it's not necessarily Elixir core team work, as in working on Elixir, it's still like, I think part of the the work that someone so big in the community, so, so central to the community yeah. does. And for me, sort of the, the similar thing goes for me with libraries. Like I like my I don't do a lot of work on Elixir itself, but I like at this point I maintain or I have commit access or I co-maintain like so many libraries in the ecosystem and I take it as like part of my responsibilities as a member of the core team to actually keep all of that running, you know, like which is like honestly a lot of the time it's just a very very tedious work. So I was like, oh, Elixir comes out, let's go update CI on like 
17 libraries that like now want to test the latest version of Elixir, fix the warnings, this and that. Like it's a it's a lot of like tedious work, but like yeah. I feel like the ecosystem is like as, as important as the language itself. So like that's yeah. where, so what I'm doing. But as you said, like yeah, the work on Elixir itself definitely definitely decreased in the years. Now it like it might pick up again with the type system. I, I don't know like if it's gonna be, but it's still gonna be a bump in the the graph of work on Elixir itself, right? Like yeah, we're gonna have the type system bump, but it's like when that's gonna, if if it gets an Elixir and all the ifs of the case, but if it gets into the the language, then it's gonna we're gonna be back to where we are now. Where like it's gonna be there, it's gonna work. Like it's not gonna be a lot of work to do on the language. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm glad that you brought up the fact that tending to the ecosystem, like giving outside, because Elixir now obviously is, is like more than just that repository. It's an entire community, and being that leadership figure uh, to like contribute in other ways is, is also key part of the core team. I want to give a quick shout out to Eric MJ because like. Every time I have, there's like three times I've had like some bugs with Hex BM organization within four hours, even with the time zone difference, he has himself reached out when he needed to or like quickly do a release. It's, it's just amazing. And some of those bugs weren't trivial. So yeah, the work that you guys do is like so much appreciated by, you know, not just the engineers who use it, but like a lot of companies and a lot of companies are doing a very good things with Elixir. So it's like you're, you're really having a huge effect on the world and making it a better place by uh, you know contributing to the uh, community like this. So yeah, a huge shout out to like you, Eric, and everyone in the core team. Thank you for uh, sharing. Yeah. Alan, do you have any questions on this before we move to something else? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious about, I mean, we, we talk about how you got onto the team. There's never been anybody who actually left the team or was asked to leave from the team. <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of an opposite question, but I like to ask this kind of questions. Coming in with the, with the tough questions, yeah. There are no ongoing lawsuits. This, uh, this is like, let's, let's start <laughs> no, 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 I didn't say it like that, though. <laughs> no, I just I mean, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one question I have is like, I know there was somebody, he may not be in the Elixir core, but he's definitely in the uh, in the Phoenix team, the Gazler. I forgot what his, his real name is. I haven't heard from him in a while, but I think he's still on the Phoenix team, right? And then, so I was just kind of curious, like, if he's even still in the community and if he's actually on Elixir team and kind of what he's up to. I guess it's maybe not something you maybe not know about, but I was curious if there's other people who haven't been on the while, like, yeah. So I know not the Gazler would be Gary, Gary Renny. And he, yeah, I have no idea if he's still in the Phoenix team because I don't have that much conduct with the Phoenix team itself. But we had people leave the, the Elixir team. And I think that's like a super, maybe like three or four people throughout the time I've been in the team. But that's been a super, always a super healthy process, I think, because people move on for one reason or another. Like it's really uh, like lives change. People have kids or they like their careers like shift a little bit and like there is no like it's a very healthy thing of the team to I think to have people that are up to date and like uh, actively contributing and everything you know to to the language itself and uh, that's uh so I think I, yeah I mean I think that's that's important I think that we're like we're doing a pretty good job but like and the people that have left they all left uh, like extremely peacefully you know if <laughs> like it's always been a very like as I said like a very healthy process and it's sort of like a natural process I think for some like this you know like i don't expect to be in the elixir team all my life for example like it's things are going to change at some point like i think that's like you know that's probably that's probably true for for most people in the team don't know about just that it's not like, like a, a <laughs> lifetime thing like supreme court where we basically have to wait for you to to pass on for the torch goes to the next person <laughs> i like no no like experience tells otherwise no people can get out of the team if they want to <laughs> 
it just sounds like in the process of like selecting someone before you bring them in the team, you know, you have to like really prove, you know, build a relationship also with Jose, right? And I'm and like the kind of person I've spoken to Jose only a little bit, but like just how nice he is and just how, you know, overall niceness, right? I don't I just don't see someone building a relationship with Jose, contributing to like earning their place in the core team and then something terrible happening that they would split no. non amicably, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the community is just so nice and nurturing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's hundred percent true. All, as I said, all the people that have left have left for like reasons completely unrelated to the core team itself or the work in Elixir. Like someone, like people have become, you know, like taking on bigger roles in their companies and like the job, the job, their careers yeah. progress in a way that they don't have time anymore just to dedicate to Elixir. And like it's open source, right? Like it's always right. like extremely, like an extremely awkward position to be in because you're doing the, like most of the time you're doing this for free. And even if you were paid to do it, like it's really hard to find competitive salaries uh, in open source compared to private companies like I right. just like who's going to pay you like software engineer salary to work uh, 100% on open source like that's really rare so it makes sense that people like don't, just don't have Dockyard. time yeah maybe Dockyard <laughs> I have no clue but yeah it's rare it's rare it's not impossible yeah. but it's like it's quite rare so like people like but I don't know like why I dug myself into this hole but my point was that it's just yeah. uh, like everyone left for like reasons completely like yeah the community is super nice just a super nice the atmosphere in the team is really friendly and nice. Like we we met in real in real life with with some people. Many I've, I've met Eric a million times, and we like <laughs> we, we did stuff together and, and everything. Like we we're friends at this point, but like there are people in the core team at this point that I've never met. There are people in the core team that I've met like once in real life. So it's like, but it's still a very very friendly team to be. In. Very friendly group of people. Very nice group of people. So yeah, everyone that left just left for completely unrelated reasons to look for itself. That makes sense. Awesome. So I guess like shifting our topics a little bit, you mentioned well, we talked about how, you know, some time has opened up, at least you don't have to come contribute directly to the luxury posture itself and kind of like a contributing to the community. You've already written a book, one of my favorite books. After, it's usually the book I recommend after one of the early Elixir books is like testing Elixir. Just you need to know how to test. And I've heard, well, just today I learned that you're writing another book now that you have some more time from Elixir. Like, uh, tell us about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I left a job in, in January and I decided to take a little bit of time off because I, I didn't do that for, for many years. So like sort of sabbatical few months. That's what I did. And in those few months, I, I sort of kickstarted a new book, which is going to be called Network Programming in, Earl, in Elixir and Erlang. I think I said that right. But yeah, I've been working on that for the last yeah six months or so. And it's going to be about exactly that. It's going to be about network programming. So like low-level stuff on how to build clients and servers uh, on different protocols. It's going to be a lot of TCP, a bunch of UDP, like really low-level stuff, which I think that the BIM excels at. Like the BIM is a fantastic environment. And it's a long story how I got to to the idea of writing this book, but like the short version is that I wanted to do some advent of code style challenges for networks. They're on a website that's called ProtoHackers, ProtoHackers.com. I'm, sh- I'm sure we can put it in the show notes. And so I did, I was learning Rust a little bit and I said like, oh, why not do these challenges in Rust? And I started to do the challenges in Rust and it was very hard for me because it was so far from the, like the paradigm. I had to use like Tokyo and all this stuff and like it was so much more low level than I'm used to with Erlang and Elixir. And like, I am not at like at all saying that, that Rust is like, uh, there's anything negative about that. I just like, f- for me, me was a perspective shift and that just made me realize how good a fit 
just the long and elixir are right uh so and so i did the, like a bunch of i recorded a like a whole youtube series on solving these proto hackers challenges in elixir and that made me realize like this is really good but it's really like and people reach out to me like oh this is you know this is helpful because i i didn't know about these patterns i didn't know about this that but that and i was like oh i learned a lot of this stuff just by years of exposition to various things like oh yeah now i gotta like write a driver for for this database now i gotta do this i gotta do that on the, over the network and, and so on and so on and so a lot of exposition to this stuff and made me realize i have a lot of like uh, built up knowledge on this stuff that i and i decided like that's like you know that's where a book uh, when a book forms so that's where i started working on it that sounds so cool i actually remember earlier elixir conferences they used to have this as part of the elixir training to use like tcp and udp to i think i think few years in a row they had that like just like do a client server chat udp server right like it, it was actually really cool to have the service connect through the the elixir the distributed erlang which i i was just like my mind was blown having done that in see so i'm that this book sounds so exciting i'm super exci- excited about this book so six months uh how far along are you in the <laughs> good good question the tcp stuff is done and that's like that's a big uh, that it's the biggest part it's the biggest part of the book for sure so like the whole tcp clients tcp servers patterns around that uh, like the, the whole the whole thing around tcp is done so i would say the book itself is like maybe a little bit less than than halfway around halfway wow. there's, a, there's a bunch to write on udp as a protocol then i want to touch on like a bunch of stuff like uh DNS and uh, SSH and TLS, you know, like to build up on the TCP stuff and HTTP and WebSockets, which is, I think, a huge topic for like modern, you know. Wow. <laughs> so it's a it's going to be a long book, I think. I think I I'm going to write a lot of stuff, but <laughs> that's awesome. Are you working with a publisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pragmatic programmers, same as awesome, uh, awesome. same as last book. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's really cool. That's really awesome. Before the okay. show, I was just kind of curious about what's going on over at the Big Apple. We, we, <laughs> Big Apple. We, we, yeah, I mean, it's kind of curious to hear that. I think you and I also have another person that we maybe also know between us that's in the ESG space. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think Apple is looking at ESG stuff and, and Elixir came up as something that could actually help them with kind of decreasing their energy usage. Is that the truth? Or is that some rumor that somebody brought up to kind of fluff up Elixir? <laughs> I don't know. I can talk about my experience. My experience app a little bit and maybe it helps give context. But what I... So I worked there for about a year or so and I left at the beginning of this year because of like my stuff. But I was working in a team in that was part of the environmental environmental supply chain innovation organization within Apple. And so the idea there was like it's it's a whole organization within Apple that uh, helps with sort of like uh, lowering the impact of Apple all around like production and you know the the logistics and you know everything around around that and this is ha- this is aimed at the at the 2030 goal that they have of like uh, being carbon neutral on products as well I can I can really remember like it's, it's been a while that I've looked at this but like it's they, they you know they are carbon neutral on something like on like shipping or something but they want to be carbon neutral on actual production as well and so I was working on on uh, like a software team within that organization and they're not really using elixir itself because it's lower footprint. I don't think that's like a, I don't think that's a thing. They were just using Elixir to build software 
to help them manage their carbon footprint and to get like insights. It was like a lot of like business analytics, for example, on data about factories and like shipping and like materials, like a lot of this stuff. So Elixir was sort of used as the, it was just like any, it was not used in a very like cool or exciting way. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what Discord is doing, for example, with, with Elixir, which is like run it at scale and actually take advantage of the beam. I think that uh, in my, during my time there, Elixir was a fantastic choice because of the developer productivity and developer friendly environment, like the developer experience in general. So it could have been like we we didn't really have like any per, like perform big performance requirements or like we're not working like with huge data or anything like that. But like uh, Elixir was just like made people happy to use and it was, like we were very productive in it, which is gotcha. great. Interesting. That's actually good to know because like the whole ESG doesn't really paint a picture. So it was being used to just analyze their uh, warehouses and stuff. And I think, yeah, it totally makes sense to use Elixir because you can whip up a quick UI quickly on Phoenix, semi-scalable up to a point, a lot more than Rails and stuff. And was there any nerves action going on from the warehouse? Or No, no, this was all data. Okay. That's like, so the important thing to think about here is that Apple is like so big that I, when I say I, I worked at Apple, like I can't give any perspective on Apple and stuff. Like it's such a right. huge, huge, huge company that like I, you know, I, I only like, explored a very, very tiny corner of it. So like, you know, they might be doing amazing stuff with Elixir as far as I know in other teams, but like I would, you know, I wouldn't know because like it's a, it's a big company and like it's really hard to get like so many things going on like and spread awareness about everything that's going on. So yeah. Nevertheless, it's very exciting for everyone in the community that, you know, Apple is hopefully still using Elixir and, yeah. you know, <laughs> for, for a lot more things than just this. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bet they, like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they were using it in other places as well, because again, it's a huge company. And honestly, my personal opinion is that I, I wouldn't never, I would not be surprised at all if all of the big companies were using it at this point, because like, when you think about Google or Amazon or, you know, or Facebook or Meta or uh, like these huge companies with like thousands and thousands and thousands of engineers, it depends on the company, of course, but I think that it's pretty uh, like natural that you're going to have teams go off and do stuff independently, because if you, for example, say like, oh, we are a huge company, we want to standardize on Java, like people are going to go nuts, right? Because like it's thousands, like it's a lot large numbers. It's not that Java is a bad language or anything. Like you could pick the nicest language in the world, but when you have like a hundred thousand developers working for you, yeah, it's not gonna like no, like you're not gonna have everyone like it because like it's too, just too many people, right? So in that ca- in those cases, like I wouldn't be surprised like people go off and build stuff that's used, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if there was Elixir running at Google or at Meta. Or I would not be surprised. I don't know, but yeah. So uh-huh. that makes sense. I mean, I know AWS is getting into it too, which is again, all of this is just quite exciting that big companies are yeah. finally. <laughs> yeah, Netflix was using it for a little while as well. I don't know if they're still using it, but that's exactly what I mean. Like, I'm I'm sure that like it, it pops up. So it's like it's building a name for itself. So. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned, Andrea, that you took a few months of break between jobs, right? You were at Apple, where are you now, and how are you guys using Elixir? And what's exciting? Yes, okay, yes, of course. So yeah, I took this break to write the book, and I did a little bit of consulting and stuff, and then I started searching for a new job, and I interviewed at a lot of places community was the community was super nice to actually get me into interviews like i i tweeted about it and like a p- people reached out it was, it was a very very humbling experience I, I like very very nice and i ended up at a company called 
VIPs, which is spelled V-E-E-P-S. Uh, so sort of like a vi- VIPs, but uh, spelled with two E's. And it is a platform for uh, streaming concerts and live music shows and like music doc- documentaries and stuff like that. So it's around music and, and the streaming. So it's a very exciting place. It's a very small theme. And so the way we're using Elixir today is that everything is built in Elixir. Everything. You go to vips.com, wow. everything is Elixir 100%. Like, um, I don't think I'm saying anything private that like all of it is built with live view because like, you can probably go around uh, and inspect the HTML and you're going to find the like PHX <laughs> hooks everywhere. So it's not like it's a secret, I think. But yeah, all of it is built with Elixir. The streaming stuff is off to the cloud. Like we're not streaming like video directly with Elixir, but all of the, the website, the coordination, the e-commerce side, because like selling the tickets and selling the merchandise for the concerts and stuff like that, is built. all of it is built with Elixir, integrating with various services for like payments and stuff, but all of it is built on Elixir. And uh, all of it is built with Phoenix and uh, with LiveView. And what's exciting about it is that it's all Elixir. It's amazing. It's a huge code base. And this team is like, I just joined two and a half months ago or so. And this team was, it is, it's incredible what they were able to build in such a small team. The engineers, like team is like around... Well, like maybe six or seven engineers. I should know because, wow. like, it's a little that I shouldn't say it's around the six or seven. Like, but like, let's let's say just like seven engineers or something like this, and and like a couple are front end engineers, so they're they're writing just the elixir they need to build the front end stuff. So it's a very very tiny team, and they were able to ship so much. And I had never used LiveView before this, so I've used I I had used Phoenix extensively for APIs. Right, like a, a right. lot of stuff related to like yeah, serving APIs to uh, single page apps to like native apps, what have you. But I had never used LiveView before this, and I was skeptical a little bit before before this because not like I don't know healthy skepticism. Like oh, it's a new thing. Like I don't know if I should yeah. like get into it like that much. I am uh, now a, com- a convert. You know, like I really <laughs> I really see the the like again like I'm repeating myself, but the the amount of features that this like the, this team was able to ship and so quickly by having that you know the flexibility that comes with like you have big code base. You just like you need to make a change. Like you can change the the markup, the HTML that you're serving and the interactive stuff that's going on very, very easily. Whether you're a front-end engineer, whether you're a back-end engineer, like a lot of the time, it's just like it's easy for everyone, right? I shipped a front-end feature during like my second week and it's the first front-end feature that I that I shipped like since like for, you know, like it was it had been like, I don't know, six or seven years and since <laughs> I, I had done anything that you could see in a browser, basically. So it was, uh, you know, it's exciting. Uh, that's, that, like, that's 100% thanks to to live you, I wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise at this point. So that's so exciting. cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the website; it looks beautiful, and even the landing page is in, in Phoenix. I can see, like you said, the PHX tags yeah. and stuff. It's <laughs> pretty. It's pretty awesome. I think it definitely, even now, even after so many companies have adopted LiveView and Phoenix to build the entirety of their stack, there's still skepticism in the community. Maybe the fringes of the community that you know you can build beautiful websites with LiveView. But here's another example of you know just a gorgeous looking front end and just using live view and it looks beautiful yeah i mean let's yeah hats off to the designers i think because i i really like it as well i think it looks beautiful as well but even from an engineering perspective like we're, we're engineers what the, the stuff we care about is like maybe like not how the website looks but like how like whether the code is maintainable how easy it is to and and that's the beautiful part like in my experience that has been the like just gorgeous part which is like this is this is like you go look at the source for what you're seeing and it's very easy to understand 
it's very easy to like extract components and like functionalities like with Phoenix and LiveView. That's been like such a really like such a good experience to join this team. And it was like very easy to get up to speed because all of this is again, it's like one code base. Uh, we're actually using an umbrella app and we're deploying different releases in that app, which I think it's a pretty rare thing. Like uh, not, not a lot of people are doing that. So another like, I think that's, that's like for me, that's a success story of umbrella apps, which I, I did not have up until this point. Like I had never used really umbrella apps extensively. So I wouldn't like I couldn't speak for like strongly in favor of umbrella apps because like I, I, I work in companies where we have like services rather than um, you can umbrella apps or like yeah. a lot of code base. And instead here it's like one code base and it's like it's fantastic. That's awesome. So I'm just going to, you already answered what excited you about this company. I'm going to kind of like push you a little bit more because you mentioned uh, you were humble. A lot of companies reached out. I was one of them and I'm sure there were some other people in my circle who have told me that they reached out to you too. What this company is Elixir completely, lively completely. Like what other what are the things during the interview process uh, you know, made you join this company? That's a good question. So what made this company win? I think, well, it's, well, it's a mix of things. I think the product that, they're, that we are building is really cool. And since the first time it's been, like the first time it's been described to me, sort of like, it's sort of the, the, the Netflix for concerts, right? And like that makes so much sense, right? It's, uh, it's just such a, such a easy thing to grasp. Like it's such a, th- like in, in this, at this time in history where like there's a lot of streaming services, like people understand how it works. They understand the, like there's a use mm. case for it, I think, right? Like it's a, there's a, or yeah. it's called like a product market fit or something. I, I have no clue, yeah. but something like that. So there is, I think, I, I think there's like, it makes sense at this time to have something like that. And so the product is, is really cool. Technical challenges are very interesting because you're building, I mean, we're building a streaming platform, a subscription-based streaming platform, which is like a lot of the products that we use today are that, right? Like, like you know, joining this team gives, gave me a lot of insight into how just the streaming platform works. You know, like I, I understand better. How, I didn't know how like Netflix or, or HBO or whatever are doing it. But like <laughs> I have the clue now, right? Rather than not having right. a clue. So, <laughs> so that, mm. that was very cool. So the, the problem was very interesting. But so the thing that did it for me was, was the team. Honestly, I met with a few people from the team and I worked at Community where Adi worked as well. Uh, We crossed paths there for a while and Community has been, I worked there for three years ish and it's been uh, the company I worked at the longest and the company where I had the most fun and like had the most growth as, as an engineer but also just the most fun like it's the best team I've ever worked with and so I was really passionate about finding like a good team to work with because like I've never worked with bad teams but like the, the difference of you know working with like a, just a team that's a fit for you because like sometimes you're gonna have a great team that's just like not your style or you know like it's just like not you can't really find your your place right and a community, right. I, I definitely found that, and now I can say, like, you know, I found it at Vips as well. Like, I this is now community is now a tie <laughs> with Vips for me as like <laughs> best teams I've ever worked with of people, or like best fits for me rather. I shouldn't say best teams, yeah. like I, who am I to judge? But like the best fits for for me for my personal style, my personal like the culture at the company, and this was like Vips was like the best fit for me that I that I could find. And there's there's one sentence that my boss, who's the CTO, Vinny told me during the interview process where she told me which was when he said 
this is the company that I want to retire from, right? Like this is the last company. Like I want to make it so good that like I don't want to have to go and switch jobs. And like I, I have no idea. I told him like I have no idea if I'll switch jobs at some point or not. But this is the attitude that I want. Like this, yeah. that's the sort of company where I work from. Where like people really just like they want to make it so good that like people just don't want to go away from it. And uh, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean the fact that you said having worked at Community around the time that you, you're mentioning, the fact that you said that this matches the style of engineering team matches the engineering team over there it's, it's pretty high compliment so that's awesome glad you found a great fit yeah I'm very I'm very happy to <laughs> <laughs> but you lost that sweet Apple discount though I I lost the Apple email that's what the, like hit me the artist I, I had like a, the email. a alio party at apple.com <laughs> for a while and like yeah that was cool that was that was a cool thing to have at apple.com it's nice. <laughs> very cool I, I don't think I have any small topics anymore <laughs> There's so much, so many yeah. topics that we could go. Alan, do you have something that that we can cover in like 10, 15 minutes? No, I mean, uh, it, overall, uh, it's been great to hear about your your journey. And, and it's, it's always nice to hear like how people got into their position that they're in now in terms of like their involvement in the community. And yeah, I think at least 89% of the time, it's like, hey, I was just putting in some code and then I came in early. A lot of times it's early, right? Timing. Yes. And then, yeah. Yeah, timing is huge. And then sometimes it's just like, I think I forgot the name of the guy who was running mostly the, the Hex. It's a very young guy, right? What's what's his name? Eric. Eric. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he didn't come in necessarily early, but he came in at an interesting time and he was just kind of committing stuff and then he just more and more time, right? So that's, it's quite it's quite interesting. Uh, everybody kind of gets involved. Yeah, yeah. The good thing is that there are, like, we are adding, like, there, there are still people that are coming in at this point and uh, becoming pillars of the community, I would say, right? And I can name, just to name a couple, Sean Moriarty from the, you know, all the machine learning stuff. Like, he became, like, the the, <laughs> the face of machine learning in Elixir. And he came in, to Elixir out of, like, I mean, relatively late time, right? Like it's yeah. like Elixir's been around for a while. And we also added a new team member to the Elixir team when this release, you know, like who came like late to the sort of late to the party but still made it into the into the team. So yeah, a lot of the time absolutely it's just like coming in early because you know you get involved early enough, you it's easier to get into the into contributing, committing. Like right now I would have trouble to like do a lot of documentation changes to Elixir because you know it's yeah. years of being polished. So like it's, there's not a lot to polish at this point, I guess. But uh so for me it was I think it was like a lack of coming at the right time. But like there are still folks that are coming in the community. I think I'm making a huge, huge impact even if it's late. So just to say like yep. uh, coming to the community, there's still like a lot to do, you know, and like especially around the ecosystem, I think. Because like as as like call back to the beginning of this recordings that like yeah the, the the elixir itself is sort of like less like there's less stuff to do because they matured a lot as a lang- as a language but the community there's like the ecosystem there's a lot there's still a lot to do is yeah. there any plans to add in any more I don't, I don't know what what's the right way to say this sorry not anymore but as far as i know there's not much people Adi, I don't, I don't know how to say this uh, the reason i'm calling you is because i don't know you're a fellow host right like to make the team more diverse right there's a lot of underrepresentation like is is there any plans to add some of that that could maybe bring some new ideas and some interesting thoughts to to the team or it's never been discussed when it comes to yeah this is a this is a fair hard but very fair question i think yeah and when it comes to the team itself i think like the team is so it's very small, first of all, and it's not a 
I don't think it's a such a public facing part of the community. So I don't think, for example, bringing in like making the Elixir team diverse would have like the impact that it has, for example, to bring in diverse speakers to conferences that can talk about different things, you know, can come from different experiences, different backgrounds uh, to conferences. I think that's like that has in the long run like a much bigger impact on uh, the community itself, right? And on the representation, because like that's what people see more, right? Like rather than the work that's sort of been being done behind yeah. the like behind the scenes in the core team itself. One example I like though is the the type stuff, which is like the, the type the type system work that's been done, that's being done, that's been researched and that's being you know researched and done in in Elixir, has been led by Josette together with like a professor at a university and a PhD student and a at a university who have obviously like very different backgrounds from everyone else in the core team, which like consists of software engineers mostly, right? Like people that have degrees, sure, but like they're not academics. You know what I mean? So that's, uh, for me, that's been a huge, like a huge positive thing because like we're getting people that are proper research, like the published papers and stuff, stuff like that, very close to the, to the Elixir team and very close to the core of the language. And I think that's generally, it's not a representation thing, but it like uh, when it comes to the part of your question that's what's related to like diverse backgrounds and like diverse experiences, I think that's uh, like maybe that counts, but it's an industry where diversity just sucks so like we yeah. like we i mean we are like we're not doing anything i think like amazing uh, for that and we could probably do better as as always you know but like it's a uh, just a not very diverse <laughs> industry i would still say though that you know i think i think it's just hard in a and i mean from a core team perspective it's because you know it's a non-profit it's not really profit driven uh, venture to kind of like in such a small group without profit to like kind of like have ways to incentivize that kind of diversity. But like you said, Andrea, like the conferences, I know Alexa conferences specifically try to have a diverse panel. Ha- having been part of organizing a couple of times, I've seen diversity is a huge part of not just speakers, but also like uh, trainers, so, uh, you know, yeah. um, selection and, 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 and all that. I, I know, I mean, you mentioned the industry itself is not very diverse, but I think Elixir of other communities I've worked in does have things in place to encourage more diversity shout out to you know one of my favorite people in the world bruce state like he runs like a a free mentorship group for like underrepresented people like he's one of the mentors like i'm one of them jeffrey um, a friend of andrea and mine he's one of them like i think uh, stuff like this like people going out of the way to volunteer to specifically help underrepresented people and encouraging uh, people to contribute is what I think Elix, uh, sets Elix a, a little bit apart from other communities, even in this kind of industry where the, where diversity isn't much. So I think Elixir is definitely more diverse than other mm-hmm. communities. In my experience, it does, it's subjective. I, it, it's already data driven, but just from an experience standpoint. Yeah, and and like I don't want to like shield the team from blame uh, or anything, but I think that the like it's really hard for such a small group of people to yeah. invest energy into into like you know all of the problems that we could tackle. And one of the problems like might be the diversity, right? Like it's just, uh, it's a very small group of people focused on like making a lot of stuff happen. So like it's, it's hard, but like conferences are like, again, I, like conferences are a great example of this. Like, and Adi said, it looks conf, but like Codebeam is doing the same, for example, right? Like they're bringing in, like they're really putting in an effort or Ambex is doing an amazing job at this, like really uh, putting in an effort to bring diverse speakers to the community and like for from diverse backgrounds, right? Like I was at Ampex this year and I was at Codebeam this year and both conferences had keynotes made by people who have 
very little to do with the Elixir community, right? Like just like they they have heard about Elixir <laughs> at best, you know, but like they they were brought in for completely diverse, uh, completely different, not diverse, sorry, completely different point of view, right? And I think and I think that's great. And yeah, we try to be. I think I see my part of my job is to try to be really nice and welcoming to everyone, which is what we try to do. I think in the team, the Elixir team generally, I think does a good job of doing that, like being welcoming to the community, but. It's a small team, so the impact that it can have is like quite, uh, like I think, li- limited a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I did have another question, but it, I actually lost it while you were, you were talking. But I also want to kind of make one more uh, thing, to kind of reference back about the team members leaving. Right? I think that is so difficult, like choice to make. Right? And that's probably not an easy thing for anybody to say. Okay, it's time for me to step aside. I think we talked about this before in another episode. Maybe not, but it's the topic is quite interesting because. It's sad when people leave, right? And it's also hard to say hard to say goodbye, but sometimes you have to, right? You have to step aside. I think it's incredibly hard for the people leaving because, uh, like, and I like I say this in in open source projects as well. Like, it's really hard for people to let go of projects, for example, or like give projects away to other maintainers. But uh, I always see that as a sign, like as a huge sign of maturity, right? Like someone that does that, someone that like realizes that, like they're they're probably like uh, doing more harm than good at that point. Like where, for example, like by I, I'm speaking like right now, like a little bit more maybe about open source projects that get like become unmaintained, right? Like and when someone is willing to give the project away, I like in my experience, like it's hard because like you might be scared that like you know the new maintainers are not going to do, are not going to like follow your vision or are not going to like uh, handle the project the same way you did. And like I personally have this trouble a lot like i've never i've never like gave away a library to someone else to maintain you know i like it's so scared of that because like what if they go and change my little, nice little code that i understand that i wrote and that i'm so proud of and isn't that you know like so it's really hard to like go stuff that you created or that you're a part of and like the electric team is like very like you i think you it's a very uh privileged position to be in the team if that makes sense, right? Like it's a, it's a, for me at yeah. least, it's like a huge honor, right? As well. It's a huge, uh, like, source of, of pride for me. And uh, to let that go would, like, would be really hard, you know, like to leave that. So, uh, but uh, I think that, like, the people that left, I, I admire that they left because they all left for, like, for good reasons. And they were all mature enough to say, like, I can't help anymore. You know, I've got a lot of other stuff going on and like, I'm just, you know, like I don't, I don't have enough time to dedicate to this. So I think that's like super healthy and very admirable, very hard though. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think. Yeah. I think with open source, because like the primary motivation to start that is to kind of give back, you know, you know, you're not earning money or anything from that. And I think, you know, you there is definitely more of a, for lack of better words, self worth that you attach with that project. So you're right. It, it must be, if I'm working, I'm getting paid. If my paycheck's not easy to leave versus something I've put invested time, thought, emotions into and nothing to really, nothing tangible to show besides the project itself. It's just much harder to leave. So that makes sense. I think we can transition to picks if you guys are all set. Yeah. Awesome. Alan, do you want to kick us off with picks? Yeah. I'm trying to set up my kind of home studios you guys see over here, but you know, the pink chair is not my idea. It's my wife. Okay. So if anybody has <laughs> questions, it's not my choice. But yeah. So I recently bought a Stream Deck 
Plus. I don't know if you guys ever use Stream Deck or not, but I got the Plus one and I think it's really nice. The knobs are quite interesting. So if you don't use a Stream Deck, but you stream or you record or you, you kind of wish you had like some quick access to some buttons and stuff, definitely a cool tool to have. So uh, I recommend that if you guys are into that kind of stuff. Very cool. Awesome. Andre, what do you have for us? That's really hard. So I, I will focus on a very tiny area, which is phone apps, uh, which I'm a huge fan of phone apps. Like I, I like to have apps for stuff. And I'm going to shout out three apps that I use, which are going to make me sound like a, a nut job, but or like two, let's see. But one of them is Flighty, which I think a lot of people know at this point, but Flighty is an app that lets you like track flies and it tells you oh, your flight's here, your flight's there, your flight's boarding, this and that, your flight numbers is, your plane models this, this flight is, you know, flew this and this and that uh, times and this plane is like uh, 10 years in service. All like nerdy stuff about flights and like it costs so much it costs like 60 bucks a month and it's like the it's like the money that i like i feel like i'm the most like a the most leisure spending i do in my life is this five bucks a month or like i don't know it's 12 bucks a month how much is it no it's five bucks a month it's five bucks a a month it was like oh five bucks a month but it's like completely unnecessary i like it so much it's one of the best designed apps that i've ever seen and the other one is one called Sweepy, which is an app for like where you have, you can put all the tasks that you know to do in your house, like to clean the kitchen vent thing, or like you need to change the bed sheets and stuff. And you can like have it in your family. So I, we have it with my wife, and it's like the nerdiest thing. I'm uh, like, shout out to my wife for not leaving me for like making her do stuff like this. But we have all the tasks and like it gets you points and stuff like that. And like it's very fun. Our house is very clean now. So yeah, it's, it's been my picks. <laughs> Very nerdy picks. Awesome. Those those are pretty awesome picks. Actually, since we talked with uh, Andre mentioned how it's been clean, one of my picks is for today's Neato Electronics. They make uh, those one of those robo vacuums. And I've already picked this before, but what's cool about them is they don't store your floor map in cloud. It's locally stored in the vacuum itself. So, you know, it's like more privacy oriented and stuff. And guess what language they use to build their most of their st- stack? Elixir. And their API for the vacuum, they have an SDK written in Elixir. So you can actually communicate with the with the vacuum with Elixir and try to do weird stuff with it. So yeah, people should give it a try. Andre, you were going to say something. <laughs> Sorry, I muted by accident, but that's awesome. I was going to say that's awesome. <laughs> nice. So that's, that's I guess, my pick for the day. I also want to have another, like, kind of a different kind of a pick since we had a special guest today. I think, you know, hopefully this kind of episode it's like more motivating to our listeners. I know a lot of our listeners are like beginners, but Andrea also is human. He started as a beginner too and contributed and made his way up in the ecosystem. And I think not just as an Elixir core team member, there's so many amazing people. Uh, I mentioned Bruce State, Sophie DeBenard. I'm a huge fan of hers. Like these people, they contribute outside of just the Elixir ecosystem. Like Andrea mentioned too, like you don't necessarily have to go through issues on Elixir and contribute. You can contribute to Elixir School, add articles there, uh, find ways to give back to the community because it is truly the best program, one of the best programming communities. I'm trying to be objective, but best if I'm not trying to be objective uh, communities in software engineering. So hopefully this episode was more encouraging and motivating for people to give back more to the community. But Andrea, thanks again for your everything you've given to the community. Elixir is awesome because of, you know, you're a huge uh, factor in Elixir being Elixir right now. So thanks for everything you do and thanks for being on the show. I appreciate that a lot. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're yeah, you're making me feel great. Very humbled. <laughs> <laughs> 
So thank you so thank you so much. Awesome. It's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure to be here. It's, it's lots of fun talking with you too. Awesome. All right, guys. Until next time. Adi out. <laughs>